Welcome back, folks, to Two Bits One Puck. I'm your host, Mr. Intangibles, a complicated man and a bin boy, Dan Masters, with my good friend, a man who loves a good Jersey discussion, and a man who likes to read the rule book, Will Everett Human. Will, how you doing? Uh, very well, thank you, Dan. Very well. Um, I like the the term bin boy. You are you're definitely a bin boy. <laughs> I am a bin boy. That all came from being on holiday, where after my wife and my daughter would finish, I don't know, a, a drink or an ice cream by the pool, they would say, "Oh, we're going to sunbathe. Can you can you put it in the bin for us?" So I'd say, "All right, fine, okay." And then just I just one day I just said, "God, I'm just a bin boy," and that's how it started. And yeah. then ever since now we've gone on holiday, I am bin boy. Just a holiday skivvy, basically. Yes, aren't all men when they have families? <laughs> I mean, you know, ones who want to live a nice, happy life and actually care about their partners and the rest of their family. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Most exactly. of us are. Just depends if you're a nice right. guy or a dick, really. You had the question of the week this week, and, and and a reasoning behind it. So off you go. Well, I was I was having a, a banging roast dinner this past Monday. Yeah, I just thought we've got we're what three we're into the third season of this show. What tickling ninety episodes now, aren't we? Is this number ninety? I think this is number nine. I think this is ninety this week. Number yeah. ninety. Number ninety. I don't think we've. I can't at least remember us having a discussion about roast dinners, which for a for a podcast that has a butchered union flag as part of our logo, I feel is a bit a bit remiss. So, Dan, what's in your roast dinner? If I go down my list and then you agree or disagree... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll kind of see where we match up. So, okay. first off, the meat is very important for a okay. good roast dinner. Okay, so so given the choice, what meat? What's, your, what's the best meat? It's got to be turkey. Has to be. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I was thinking more general roast dinner but so wait are you gonna go are you gonna do christmas dinner then is that what you're gonna do because that's a that's a different class of meal entirely i'm not going christmas dinner if you say to me you can have a roast dinner tomorrow what meat do you want with it in an ideal situation i'm taking turkey all right, all right i okay. love turkey so much it's fabulous I, because is... I, th- I think it goes with more things better than say lamb or beef or anything else but do you do you have turkey outside of christmas then oh yeah oh fair play to you there's a, t- there's a turkey farm about five or six miles away from us, oh, and they've shit. always kind of got them on the go, so it's kind of like, well, round here, people get them all the time. It's not a big thing at Christmas. <laughs> got them on the go. You know got, what I mean? <laughs> a couple of turkeys on the go if you fancy them. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, they don't just get a batch in at Christmas. It's always happening. Well, no, if you're a turkey farm, you can't just be open for you know, three months of the year, can you? Would, okay. you? would you agree turkey, then? What would you have? I mean, I, w- I wouldn't have considered turkey... In I was I was thinking like yeah you know, your, your big four sorry your chicken pork beef or lamb because yeah you know, I, I I never have turkey apart from Christmas never oh just because I don't know like turkey's nice and everything but yeah we never have it apart from at, at Christmas so um, okay so you've got you've got to pick from one of those four then what are you taking <sighs> it's a harder question than it should be because the meat you have dictates your trimmings quite a bit doesn't it very true very true I'm gonna go chicken. It's between chicken and pork for me, because I cannot stand roast beef. Roast beef is the most diabolical thing that's ever been invented on this entire earth. But I'm going to go with chicken, because it opens up a lot more options, I think, than pork does. Okay, yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Uh, next, of course, fantastic, uh, roast potatoes. Yep, of course, of course, that'd be... Mate, if there's anybody out there who has a roast without roast potatoes, like, <laughs> what are you doing? What What are you up to? Yeah, you need to be on the first ship off this land, I'm afraid. Jesus Christ, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd like to think I'd have a relatively uh, 
lax immigration policy if I was running the country, but bloody hell, round them up, <laughs> put them in camps. <laughs> Jesus Christ. People are having mash with their roast dinners instead of roast potatoes, like, gee, fucking... Yeah, please. Sort it out. Next, I don't know if this is a northern thing or not, but Yorkshire pudding, for sure. No, that's that's not a northern thing. Definitely not. Okay. Definitely cool. not. Who doesn't like Yorkshire puddings? They're fabulous. Yeah, they're they're perfect. Yeah, that's that's a staple. You've got to have Yorkshire. Because I've had a turkey, I need stuffing inside my turkey. So stuffing is on my list. Specifically inside the turkey, not not. It's got to be. Oh yeah, got to be inside the turkey. Get all the get all the turkey juices in there. Not a couple of balls on the side. That's not going to do it for you. No, not at all. I can't be doing with a couple of balls on the side. I need a good stuffing. (laughs) Sake. What what kind of stuffing then? I'm not too fancy. Just you regular. Now it is it is nice to get some sage and onion and then mix it with some sausage meat. Oh, and then oh, put that oh, put that in the bird. Oh, Fantastic. <laughs> put the sausage meat into the bird. For fuck's sake. Yeah, st- stuffing is. I'll, I'll I'll tell you now. I'll barely leave. Stuffing is the best part of a roast dinner. Oh yeah, it's oh yeah, definitely up there. Without without oh. a doubt, like you cannot have enough stuffing. Cannot have enough stuffing. You know, it's a good combination. Chestnut stuffing oh. and roast duck. Nice, that sounds that, good. That is a pairing that, that I'll highly recommend to you. Right, so we're 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 pretty pretty even keel at the moment. I feel like I do when I was having this dinner and I thought of you, I thought there's gonna be something in there that is gonna be weird. <laughs> They're gonna argue about. <laughs> there's gonna be something really weird that you do. Really weird. I'm hoping that it's just gonna be the turkey any time apart from Christmas. But but, you, but it is me. <laughs> so you're gonna be like, I don't, I don't even know, I don't even know. But go on, what else you got right. from your dad? Carrot and Swede. Yeah, okay, yeah, pretty, pretty standard. I, I don't have it in my standard roast. But it's not, yeah, it's not crazy, is it? It is kind no, of. No, no, it's not. Normal. It's not mental, but it's just not, not what I've grown up with, sort of thing. All right, peas, peas, yeah, 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 peas. Shout out to Pete from the wedding, who, when we were discussing <laughs> food, I said to him, "What's the food you hate the most?" And he went, "Peas." And then he was quiet for two seconds and he went, I fucking hate peas. <laughs> and that just made me laugh so much, just the way he came out with it. So Mate, shout out to Pete. Pe- peas are so good, though. Peas, are, gr- like, peas are great. I know. Peas are just, yeah, they're just your everyman, aren't they? They never let you down. Cheeky little not, reliable. And you can chuck them with anything. If you, if you, exactly. If you need a little bit of veg for a dinner, chuck a couple of peas in there and you're well away. Yeah, you got your greens for the day. Parsnips, obviously. <sighs> Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's arguably the the most underrated vegetable in all of the land. Couldn't agree more, mate. Get just they need to be just a little bit charred as well. Oh, well, so they start to caramelise a little bit. Oh, oh mate. my god, fantastic! Yeah, great. Official, the official sponsor of parsnips. Oh, I bloody hope so. That'd be <laughs> screw screw seat geek. I don't need seat geek. Don't need any of that nonsense. I just want to sponsor my bloody parsnips. Okay, this might be controversial because okay. this is normally Excellent. this is normally at Christmas. But oh, so so d- just before you say it, do you regularly have this apart from Christmas? Because that's, a, that's no, a... no, we do have this all the time because it's so good. Okay, pigs in blankets. Yeah, I see. Th- this is why I chose chicken because if you have chicken, you can have a couple of little chipolatas on the side, and like nobody and nobody bats yeah. an eyelid. Nobody and bats that's an why eyelid. Chose, that's why I always have turkey. <laughs> <laughs> oh mate, this is if like... you have a roast, if you have a Sunday roast dinner that's beef, 
and you put pigs in blankets on the plate, people look at you like you're mental. You're but if you have it with turkey, it can it's like, oh yeah, pigs in blankets, of course, we're having turkey. S- same with pork. You slap out a big pork joint and you bring out the sausages. It's like, what are you? What is happening here? <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's just decadent. Whereas uh, <laughs> a bit a bit of poultry with some pork on the side, no problem whatsoever. And you've tripled up exactly. there if you're having your turkey with your sausage meat stuffing and some pigs in blankets. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll give it to you, Dan. This has sounded wonderful so far until... I've got one controversial one. at the. I'm going to save it till the end. So, obviously, gravy. I know... Yeah. I, yeah. Did, I did used to know a boy who had a dry roast dinner, which just... <sighs> I mean, that's like the kind of person who has water on their cereal. Like, what are you doing with your life? You yeah, know, water, yourself out. water on your cereal is a terrible thing, but no that's milk. Pre, on yeah, your, that's pre-crime. No milk on your cereal is uh, is you know that's galaxy brain shit. Yeah, for sure. See, so yeah, of course, you've got to have gravy. I'm gonna do. I always have <laughs> because I'm so decadent. I always have two condiments on my plate. I have apple sauce and cranberry sauce. Apple, what well, apple sauce exclusively for your pigs and blankets? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit renegade, but I'll I'll give it to you. That's renegade. not. It's a bit renegade. All right. Just a condiment for one specific part of a larger dinner. That's. But don't... it is my ideal. If you're saying like, what's the best version? This is my best version. This is fine. This is still me in the. Yeah, uh... but I'm I'm a foodie though. I'm a foodie, so my mind immediately goes to what's the best version of that I can That's have. That's true. I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow so... it. It's still still within the. Uh confines of the uh, I mean, discussion to, yeah to counter that to counter that kind of if if there's no apple sauce and we're having pigs in blankets i'm not flipping the table i don't <laughs> care that much do you know what i mean but you're gonna be in a huff no no i wouldn't even be in a huff <laughs> in, I'd, I'd think for one second oh no apple sauce i'm like ah, it don't matter it's fine but if it's ideal i'd, I'd like to have it yeah i'll give you so that. apple sauce and cranberry sauce i will say bread sauce can get in the fucking bin Ooh, whoever d- bread sauce fucking grim See, I'd never tried it until like last year, and it's all right. I tell you, I don't mind a bit of bread nah, sauce. Not a fan. Not a fan at all. It's, it's not changed my life, but I wouldn't. I'd never tell it to get in the bin. That's just that's uncouth. It's on my very short list of foods I just will not eat. I feel and... like I feel like bread sauce is super northern, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is because it's really poor person's food. So. <laughs> bread sauce, nothing. Yeah. I can imagine the conversation being like the 1800s. Oh, no, we've got no sauce. What have we got in house? We've got some bread. Can you mush it up? Yeah, you can. Fantastic. <laughs> like, no, mushed up bread. <laughs> Fucking gross. Or like, oh, right. we've only got one loaf of bread to last a week. What, what are we going to do? Oh, do I just add a bit of water? Yeah. <laughs> can we turn it into sauce? Stretch it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stretch it out. Make it last. Fantastic. And that's it, apart from my last choice, which might be which might be seen as a bit renegade, but we'll see. Cauliflower cheese. Ah, uh, yeah. Now I've um, it's a bit extra. I'd say it's a bit extra, but it's not. It's very extra. It's very extra. I'd, and I'd... people can't handle like the creamy cheese and the gravy combined. That kind of freaks some people Ooh, out. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd have to have them quite exclusive, to be honest. No, it's good. No, it goes good together. It goes really good together. I can say well, it's like cheesy chips and gravy, isn't it? Exactly. That's a, that's a big northern staple at college. There, there you go. Chips, cheese. Well, poutine, I guess, is what you're describing. <laughs> yeah, but poutine gets all the credit when, like, poutine's such a big thing. And I know there's, like, cheese curds and stuff in there. But, you know, cheese, chips and gravy, that's just 
cheese chips and gravy you know what i mean we're not making a, a big song and dance about it calling it a, a new thing that's a good point actually yeah and i do i do harken back to my days when i used to drink and i'd come into college nine o'clock in the morning still steamed from the night before and i just go straight to the canteen and get like chips cheese and gravy for me breakfast and i'm like oh thank god food <laughs> and it's turn like me back quid. into a normal human being <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> There we go. Anything extra for you then that I've not got? Um, I mean, nothing extra. Like we'll chuck a bit of broccoli in there every now and again, just as a good. If you're feeling excitable. Well, just if you, if you need a bit of veg, chuck it in. So yeah, true. That's relatively that's standard. Um, I'm a fa- I'm a I'm a broccoli fan as well. A lot of people hate it, but I'm a big broccoli fan. It's all right, but it's not. I don't don't love it, don't hate it, sort of thing. But that's why you put jelly deals on your Sunday dinner then. Uh, yeah, exactly. Being uh, <laughs> of course, being yeah. the faux cockney that I am, it's uh, a lot of. Uh, <laughs> jelly deals and um there we go then that's about it i don't i don't know what i was expecting you to come out with uh like i don't know maybe like a pie like just just (laughs) just a little a little puck of pie on there chicken tikka pie as well or like (laughs) yeah a free bentos chicken and mushroom (laughs) like like a naan bread (laughs) (laughs) oh fantastic just some spring rolls (laughs) chuck us a sage and onion naans would you sarah (laughs) <laughs> oh dearie me <laughs> unfortunately yeah a very a very similar taste there that's good though because i feel like that could have been one that we can't get back from if one of us had come out with something actually nice right. i'm still i'm still a little bit on the fence about you having turkey any other time on christmas day because that's a little bit sacrilege but fair play what can i say i'm, I'm living large and in charge well there you go <laughs> Good out. All right, let's talk some hockey, shall we? I suppose we'd better. that time of the week it is the smooth recap comparisons have been made to the ottawa senators and my wife at the club this week as they both scored twice in four seconds the coyotes have handed gm john chaker a long-term contract extension owner alex morello clearly sees the millennial manager as having the potential to grow into a wizened racist old hockey man over the course of the coming years like the Wild West or a John Woo film. Philly fans are now behind the Flyers, who this week win two shootouts in a row. I'm not one for supporting exploitative institutions such as credit unions, but hats off to Navy Federal for sponsoring an entire slate of NHL games this past week, so I can put off giving Gary Bettman any more money just a little while longer. Zach Wierenski sets the Columbus franchise record for goals by a defenceman. Expect this section of the smooth recap to feature quite prominently, as the player in third, Seth Jones, is still playing, and is only two goals behind. It's not my patch, but fuck you, Dan. Jonathan Bernier had a two-point game this week, and is now outscoring seven Red Wings skaters. Seven of them. Shea Weber is the only active defenceman to hit 100 power play goals. He scored again later in the same game. Shea Weber 
is the only active defenseman to score 101 power play goals. <laughs> it's happening again. The Vancouver Canucks have given up another 3 on 0 goal, though this time it's truly 3 on 0, with the Jets potting an uncontested empty netter. 3 is the magic number sang De La Soul. For me though, 4 is the magic number as the Bruins concede four goals late on to send the game to a fourth period, which led them to losing their fourth straight. I also said the word fuck four times when I saw the score this morning. Time for a fact attack, as the Avalanche scored six goals in eight minutes against the Predators this week, which is the second fastest since the 2005 lockout. Only Toronto have bested that speed run, with six in seven minutes and 43 seconds. And that was your smooth... Recap. Okay, who have you got one in the cup this week? Mate, I'm, just before we do that, sorry. Yeah, go on. Zach Rowenski is yeah. 22 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He has played, what, he's in his fourth season? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Mate. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, it's not even like he's been banging them in. He's scored 11, 16 and 11. And how many is he on this year? Uh, that would be, I want to say, maybe five or six then. <laughs> so the, He's leading the Blue Jackets all-time defenseman with like 43 goals. <laughs> that is amazing though. It's like, it's like say, Seth Jones is only two goals behind him. Yeah. So I hope in the next game he gets a hat trick. And then you have to put the graphic up again. Seth Jones sets the record. <laughs> And then after the game after that, is that Rensky score? And like, what are we doing here? Proper rod for their own back. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. But winning the cup this year, I have the one, the only, uh, your Florida Panthers. Yeah. For I why? For for one reason, Dan, and I'll, I'll tell you for why. It's um, it's banging them in left, right, and centre over a twenty-minute period. Yeah, I can't argue with that. That's, I mean, that's all I got. got nothing. For, it's all I got for you, really. There's, no, that's fine. Yeah, and I got, I got nothing either, apart from, like I said, shouting abuse at my phone this morning when I saw the score. Winning the cup has to be the Philadelphia Flyers, and in particular, Claude Giroux. Claude Giroux is one for three in shootouts this season. And here he comes on Frederick Anderson and blasts it into the net. Who scores an absolute beauty of a shootout goal. Normally, players will try and you know try and deep the keeper and and play it softer than a, than a kiss on your grandma's cheek. Well, <laughs> but Giroud just went no fuck it and just give it an absolute shit pinger and blasted it in. It was great. See that that was a bad analogy you've given there, Dan, because that slap shot was still softer than I kiss my grandma on the cheek. <laughs> it's a it's Fair a, enough. an aggressive affection. I'm glad you brought up Giroud, actually, because did you know, did you know that he joined the 700-point club this week? Sorry, not the 700-point club. actually know that. Not oh. just the 700-point club. He scored 700 points in this decade. So the last, since the 2010-2011 season, he's had 700 you know points. What? I, I did not know that. Don't know how many players are ahead of Giroud in doing that. Two. Okay. No. Go on. No, no, no. Three. Can you name the three? Ovechkin, Crosby, Kane. Oh, you've bloody seen the stat, haven't you? I swear to God, I haven't. I swear to God. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Crosby, Ovechkin, yeah. Kane, then Giroud. Which is no crazy. Way. I swear. I swear. I did not know that. I swear. Right, even if you did, this isn't who wants to be a millionaire. I'm not I'm not going to uh, give you uh, yeah, have a go at you for cheating. 
That's in that. Oh, isn't that crazy? Like Claude, Claude. I know Drew's been like a good player, and that it's not like bloody Blake Como's in that club or some shit like that. But yeah, I never think of Claude Drew being the fourth highest scoring skater of the last ten years. No, you're right. He's not. He's an underrated. He's an underrated player. He always pops up on underrated lists, never getting the you know the props he deserves. And I guess there you go. There's the facts to back it up. Yeah, definitely. He's uh, he's definitely uh, putting the numbers up at the very least. All right, who's getting relegated? Boston Bruins because they uh, lost four games in a row. Not just the Boston <laughs> Bruins, the Boston Bruins as well. Get out. The Boston Bluets. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where the confusion's coming from. Yeah, I still got nothing. So let's get. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's it's fair enough. It's fair enough. I I I wrote that down in the hope that they'd blown more three third period leads in the last week, but they haven't. So I'm just gonna have to settle on the fact that they've lost four in a row. Uh, my relegation candidate this week is Sportsnet, and this is a preemptive relegation because I know before the end of the month I'll have had to have seen the headline on Twitter. Maybe 79 times about Mitch Marner's ankle. I've seen five or six articles already that lead with with Mitch Marner being injured or the timetable of Mitch Marner. And I'm thinking, oh my God, it's the summer all over again. I, uh, I genuinely didn't know he was injured until maybe an hour ago. Well, you lucky duck. I, I, as we've said before, Dan, I just think you follow too many, uh, too many Toronto-based people. I follow Sportsnet. That's it. <laughs> That that's your problem. If you follow some other people and it's not just Sportsnet, you're gonna get more than just <laughs> uh, more than just Leafs coverage. Alright, how many starters and scratches you got? I have got a pair of starters and a single scratch. Okay, I've got three starters, so I'll go first, but I do have a scratch so big, not even modern medicine could fix it. Because <laughs> it's insane. That's concerning. So my first starter is the Seattle Sounders. For winning the MLS Cup, you know, support team some soccer of. teams wherever I can. So yeah, that was your MLS recap. There we go. My first starter is going to be a little player by the name of Conor McDavid. Did you see how goal he scored against uh, against the Ducks uh, on his knees. Was he on his knees? I thought then, maybe he was. Who knows? It was. Yeah, all... didn't he get knocked? He got knocked down to one. Like got knocked down to one. Knee yeah, I think. He, I think. Yeah, he got got knocked down and then was back up and he was just moving so slowly. Like you could, you could just see. He was like, right, well, I'm just gonna score now. There was nothing anyone else could do. He decided it. It's all right. It's gonna happen. Do what you want. Crazy. Is that? I think McDavid on his knees is still faster than most of the Ducks defensemen. Yeah, that's it. That's the thing. So he's he gets down yeah. to one knee, and just as he comes comes back up, he's like perpendicular to the goalie. He's like, nah, stuff it. Let's just put it in. Kid's good. Ridiculous. He's not bad. He's not bad. My second starter. You've all seen this. And I've got to do it, but there's going to be a question at the end. Is the stealth ice cream stealer from the Hurricanes game this week? <laughs> so, so good. Now, there are lots of rumours out there now that this is all planned. I know. Can we not have anything nice? Can we not just enjoy this situation? Like it... But there's a there's a, a rumour that these are plants and the Hurricanes are doing it to keep like, you know, like to keep like viral buzz going and all that kind of thing. Which, if it's true, I would love if they did that. Uh, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? Because like, as soon as you say oh, it was a plant, my brain's kicked in and said, "Yeah, who 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 does that? <laughs> who would actually do that? And how? What are the chances? Yeah, it's all too improbable to really believe it, isn't it? 
There's only two things that make it seem improbable to me. One is that the guy doesn't notice his hand move because when he's holding the ice cream cone, his hand... And then when the guy takes the ice cream cone out, you can see the guy's hand visibly moved down because the weight of the ice cream is gone. At that point, I would turn around. And then when the guy turns around to look to see who does it, he seems to look at the guy and then look away again as though he's seen him and then pretended not to see him. He's like, whoops, I shouldn't have seen that. But no, I've said that, you can't not see that. And then once somebody put that idea in my head, I was thinking, oh, now I can't unsee those things. But I hope it's true. I hope it's true, because it'd be great if it was. Yeah, fingers crossed. Let's let's not yeah. perpetuate taking the enjoyment out of everything by, exactly. by exposing how, how fake it clearly Fraudulent. is. <laughs> yeah. My second starter is going to be Ray Ferraro of TSM oh, okay. fame. Because ever since Ray declared Vancouver the best team in Canada... They've uh, lost four games in a row. So, <laughs> what well am I? Was it on the show or not? What we talked about Vancouver's schedule. Was it, that was off the show, wasn't it, last week? I think you said to me like, oh, about Vancouver, and I said, mate, they've got a really hard schedule coming up. And we'll see after that. We'll see after Christmas, because it's going to be really tough for them to keep this up. And <laughs> they've lost four in a row. Funny that, isn't it? Who would have thunk it? And my final starter is, and these two first names are trademarked. So, be aware, people. I'm very litigious. The new goat, Mr. Mount Rushmore, Sidney Crosby, has gifted his all-star game SUV to a veteran from the Pittsburgh area. This is our feel-good story for the week, which is lovely. There's a veteran named Madeline. She's been an army specialist for the past five years and uh, goes to school at CCAC for legal studies. And she's a single mother with a, with a three-year-old son. So they went on, some, of the, some of the veterans went on a tour of Penguin's facility and all that kind of thing. Crosby brought her through this door, and there was the uh, the SUV from the All Star game. And said, "Was like, it's yours. Take it," which was great. That is great, but no. Yeah, yeah. I always Go think on. I always think with this sort of stuff, and I know it's really yeah. You know, oh, with Crosby's money, you could have bought her a Ferrari. What a dick! <laughs> <laughs> no, because that would be <laughs> sincerely impractical. But yeah, like I don't know. G- giving her a new car is is obviously useful and a very generous thing of, of Mr. Crosby to do. But the geezer's got an accumulated wealth of $120 million. Could he not have done like a bit more than just give her a car that he didn't need anyway? Like a helicopter? No, no, no. no. no I know you're trying to just belittle it by uh, <laughs> belittle the point by saying, oh yeah, we should have bought her a Ferrari or why didn't he just give her like a her own private island? Like, but you know what I mean? Like, he could have given a, a drop in the ocean for him, money-wise, and set her up for a long time. Like, yeah, I don't know, paid off her 401k or something, or paid off her the medical expenses for her and her family for the year or something like that. Like, I don't know, I'm, pro- I'm being a bit too cynical, but to me, like, yeah, Crosby didn't need that car. He didn't even have to pay for that car. So, like, it's not really that much of a donation from... It's, <laughs> I'm just saying it's not $10 million to a children's hospital is what it's not. <laughs> <laughs> for fuck's sake you two points alright you can't say I'm not right though I can and here's why two points my first point is you're saying he could have paid he could have paid her medical expenses it's America he doesn't make that much money like <laughs> hey thank you thank you everyone okay the second point is he's given her a car for free he doesn't have to I get it he could have given her way more but he doesn't have to. It was like when David Beckham went to play for Paris Saint-Germain for like six months. And he said, well, my, he said, instead of giving me wages, 
he said, can you give all my wages to like a, a children's hospital that's like that's sort of down the road from where we're playing? And they were like, oh yeah, sure. And everyone just came out of the woodwork with, well, why doesn't he give them blah, blah, blah? He never gave this to blah, blah, blah. And I'm, he's giving hundreds of thousands of pounds to a children's hospital. What's the bad story here? See, I don't, I don't think... And there's going to be, I guarantee, I guarantee as well, there's going to be so much that Crosby does that doesn't even get reported. Like, yeah. Like that little Penguins program I told you about the other week where he like all the girls got to go to the game. That he kind of donates all the stuff to their, you know, to their, um, to their club and everything. Yeah, I'll, 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 this is just one of the things that came out. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But to equate it to the Beckham thing, I think is unfair because yeah, Beckham's given away eight far more than that car is worth, and it's it's like a a more not a more tangible asset, but. Yeah, but that's yeah, just like, one thing Crosby's done. He's obviously he clearly does way more than that. Yeah, that's just one yeah. of the things for this week. Yeah, he probably does this every week. This is just the first week we've heard <laughs> about gi- it. Just gives away all these. I don't know. You, you are the man who was ragging on the um, the mum for exploiting her child about going to the Maple Leafs game last week. I thought you'd be far more with me on this than uh, suddenly being. I suppose if it was anyone other than Sid, you'd be completely with me in chastising them and their lack of generosity. Don't you dare disparage Mr. Mount Rushmore, trademark. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Should I... You've got one. You do your scratch first. I was, yeah. was going to say, as, as yours is supposedly so monumental, I better uh, I better get my poultry one out of the way first. I'm going to scratch HC Dynamo Moscow, one of the Moscow-based KSL teams. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't decide whether to start this or scratch this because I don't quite know whether this is an incredible piece of satire or not. But at the same time, whether it is or it isn't, it's still sort of rooted in the uh, the the issues <laughs> that that are wrong with this. So uh, I won't spoil anything that's going to come up later in the show. But a certain hockey pundit was relieved of their duties this week, and Dynamo Moscow tweeted out to this pundit saying, "Yo, you can come and work for us. Basically, yeah, you can say whatever you want, and we won't we won't censor you." etc etc and now there's a chance that was great satire because you know if they know that don jerry hates russians <laughs> i would never want to go to russia and work for russia so yeah, that could be an incredible bit of comedy they've done there but it is still rooted in the fact that they openly hate immigrants and lgbtq people and people of color etc etc and would openly support all of don jerry's fascist views so um Thumbs up, thumbs down, Dynamo Moscow, you you choose. Yeah, Dynamo Moscow saying come over here, you can say whatever you want, because we all know what a bastion of free speech Russia is, don't we? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Well, you can say what you want as long as it's disparaging the people that we want, it, want to disparage. Yeah, exactly. Okay, you might not even believe this, it's so ridiculous, but hang on. <laughs> Did you hear the story this week about the rapper T.I. and his daughter? Oh my god, I've talked about <laughs> basically nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, get, strap yourselves in. If you're driving, pull over because this might be, you might crash your car if you hear this. If you're driving, so this pull week, over. Serious. Rapper T.I. admitted he takes his daughter, who's now 18 years old, to the doctors for virginity tests. And he asked that he has the doctor check to see if her hymen is still there. Will, your thoughts? I d- do I really need to. <laughs> even even spells out. He, he's mental. Like that isn't that insane. Not yeah. Not only is that insane. Like that's insanely like regressive abusive. and abusive. Yeah, exactly. Invasive. 
is like horrendous behaviour. It's it's horrendous behaviour fueled by absolute insanity. Like the geezer's basically gone to was it radio or a podcast? So same difference. He's gone to his show. Yeah, it's on a podcast, I think. And admitted, I'm severely mentally unstable and a psychopath, and I'm abusing my family. Unprompted. Here's the other thing as well, right? I'm not sure if Mr. T.I., or maybe I'll, I'll call him by, his, I'll, I'll call him by his, uh, his title. I'm not sure if Mr. I knows this. Mr. I. First name T. He's encouraging his daughter, via strange means, <sighs> to have sexual intercourse other ways. Just uh, not via the classical methods you would think of having sex with a female. Uh, traditionally referred to as up the wrong one, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, up the wrong one. Which, which is arguably more dangerous for her. Yes. If that is what she's um, doing. Not that, yeah, not that I know, but not having any experience of, of being a woman or having T.I. as my dad. But if T.I. was my dad and I was in uh, in his daughter's shoes, I'd probably be put off, you know, if, if dad's mental enough to take me to the gynecologist to check that I've not burst my hymen, even though that's not a distinct uh, indicator of whether I'm having sexual intercourse or not, I'd probably just steer clear of any of that trouble at all. You know, think, right, whatever, I'm, I'm here at the moment, I'll ride it out. <laughs> and uh, Poor choice of words. I do. <laughs> so I do hate engaging in these conversations with you. <laughs> Start talking to a bloody 15-year-old. Let's just say I dedicate my time to other pursuits, knowing that my dad's mental. Couldn't agree more. So that was the last scratch, wasn't it? You didn't have another one, did you? Uh, no, <laughs> no, I, I didn't have it. For fear of TI coming in and demanding my medical records, no, I do not have anyone else to scratch. <laughs> Sorry, demanding his medical records. So before we get to our guest and the news, we are on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and anywhere else we can come in your ears. A five-star review on iTunes is great for us and better for you. So next time you're pinching a loaf, stick one on there, and that'll help us a lot. It is the second part of our interview with NHL history girl Jen. This week we are discussing, amongst other things, her favourite player and is hockey progressing. An unbelievable thing to be discussing this week of all weeks. But here she is again, Jen Conway. In sort of studying hockey history and researching it then, do you feel the game has progressed? I think it's moved on a little. I, I think it's gotten better. But progress in the NHL is not necessarily measured in, in large leaps. It's usually measured in small steps um, when it comes to stuff like this, especially social stuff. I think it's going to keep getting better because the fans now are more vocal and more demanding. And... Uh, they can vote with their wallets, I guess, as well, which makes a little difference. I don't know if it makes a whole lot of difference, but it makes a little difference. So I, I think we have hope, especially with guys like Jonathan Taves leading the way on mm-hmm. on sort of green initiatives or advocating, you know, these environmental issues. I think that's a great example uh, of what other players could do if they wanted to. So I'm, I'm, I have hope. If, if we can just get a Jonathan Taves or, or an Andrew Ferrance of, of social issues rather than environmental issues, then we'll really be you know, treading in the right direction sort of thing. Exactly. One of the things that really bothers me is that with when it comes to the issue of minorities in the NHL, they expect 
the minority players to be the ones leading the way and leading the charge. But the truth is the burden isn't on them completely. It should be on their teammates as well. Just because Wayne Simmons is working with Willie O'Ree's inner city hockey initiatives, that doesn't mean that his, some of his white teammates can't come out and help as well mm-hmm. on a more regular basis. You know, I mean, that's that's not a change that you can expect from the, what, five? <laughs> the the five minority players in the league? I know there are more, but I'm, I'm being a little facetious here. I know. I was going to say, I think it's four now that Devontae smith Pelly is out in China. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you have to make it easier as a whole for minority players as well to to want to keep playing and to be welcome in this environment. I think it's a, a thing where you're you're spot on with saying that you need white players to support the minority initiatives, but it's also showing opposition and and almost disdain and distrust of, of players like Max Domi. You know, it's, it's a, we need a, an environment where you can't put players like Max Domi still on a pedestal after saying all the reprehensible things he has said about immigrants and, and only lead you to think what could he possibly think about his own minority you know, teammates and, and players within the league. It's once we need that combination of both supporting and demonising, you know, supporting the initiatives and, and demonising players who have that, those sort of views. Domi is a weird case to me because his grandfather was an immigrant to Canada a, a political mm-hmm. refugee who had a bullet in his skull from from fighting. Oh my god! Um, yeah, so it's a very very strange situation to me that he would say these these things, especially knowing his own uh, family history. I think the problem is as well is that the media, you know, like I I kind of go back to Matthews, but it's the most recent thing, is that the media will then spend you know two or three weeks talking about it. Braden Holtby goes to Pride, and there's one tweet, and that's it. Instead of sort of saying, you know, the media having a like a five minute, even a five minute segment on NHL Tonight or something like that, saying, "Hey, look what was happening today at Pride." Braden Holtby's there; he's a great guy. Look, you know, he's supporting everybody. Whereas this sensationalist, you know, like obviously bad news is great news for the media because this one thing happens, and they're like, "Great, we can dine out on this for weeks." I, I I'm hoping things will change. The further along we go, so historically, up until probably the 80s, 90s. A lot of hockey players didn't have an education to really mm-hmm. speak of. They all dropped out of high school. There were a couple, I think, that didn't get past grade eight or nine. Education wasn't a big priority because you were playing hockey and you were making money at it. And in the summer, you had a job selling cars or in a factory or whatever. So you made a living. You didn't have to have an education. And so I, I, I think that's part of it is that past generations were sort of less educated and and didn't have to think about these things because of because of the time frame that they played in they they just didn't have to think about these sorts of things but now we have players who are under strict rules when they play high school hockey or or junior hockey they have to have certain grades and they have to have certain attendance and you know now they're they're getting they're they're becoming educated you have a lot more college players. Um, you have a lot more players who are more socially active, more more well-traveled, more experienced. Like, they're just more now. 
And so I think that with the the change in those circumstances, you're going to see a change in player mentalities. But that being said, I also understand why a lot of players are still really conservative because you have a lot of money. You tend to be conservative about things that might affect your money and your status. It's just the way it is. Absolutely. It's, it's just, I've, I've said to Dan before, it's a, it's a shame that these conservative, you know, primarily conservative players are, are pretending to be more working class than they are sort of thing. Like hockey is a culture prides yeah. itself on, on working class ideals when it's made up of the players are uh, middle to upper class the management are middle to top class like it's not it's not a working class game at all well not anymore no absolutely because not because the, with the intense rise in costs for tournaments leagues equipment i you know it's almost impossible to be a lower class lower working class family and have kids playing hockey these days i think it was um is it coach jeremy is he do is he how to hockey it was one of the, the yes yeah i think it was coach jeremy po- posted on twitter about uh registering one of his children for for hockey this season and it was like six hundred dollars for registering them to a to a travel team and that's just astronomical absolutely astronomical how yeah i, yeah. I wanted my son to play so I signed him up for skating lessons. You know, he's like three. I'm, I'm signing him up for skating lessons and all of this. And the first time um, I, I signed him up for like the the little tiny kids league, he refused to play, and that was it. He was done. He didn't he didn't want to play. And I'm okay. That's fine. And I was disappointed. But looking back, there's no way I could have afforded for him to play more than one year. How depressing is that? You know that you look at these league fees and you're going, okay, well, that's three months worth of groceries. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. And, and and even the, it's a sad thing for, for the children who become really passionate about it. And then the, the pressure it puts on parents to think, right, okay, we, you know, little Johnny, little Jenny wants to play hockey. So we're going to have to cut back on X, Y, and Z, you know, mum and dad are going to have to work double shifts or whatever it might be the the intense pressure that this sport must be putting on thousands of families around the world let alone around just around canada is is really disappointing you'd have thought that there's got to be something that the league as a whole can do or hockey canada like i'm not particularly up to speed with what sort of what sort of funding and grants there are from the nhl and, and hockey canada but you, you don't have to look very far to know that it's not enough yeah, no, it's absolutely not enough. And uh, there's a new book out, Sean Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Before the Lights Go Out. It's just a whole study on what's going on in Canada and how the game has changed and why people aren't playing anymore. And, you know, if it's going to cost you $600 in registration fees and another, say, $500 in gear, you could play soccer for you know a hundred dollars a year what do you think the choice is going to be i mean <laughs> i mean hey just just reminded dan's childhoods five pound for a ball 40 pound for a pair of boots a couple of jumpers for goalposts you know well away for an entire year yeah exactly it's just just crazy absolutely crazy basically forcing a non-choice so how do you um moving back to sort of the history side and and your twitter account and all the work you do in regards to that how do you keep everything 
in check in regards to this happened on this day? Do you have like an Excel spreadsheet that's 50,000 lines long or how do you do that? <laughs> so Google Calendar, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I have 355 Word documents. Oh, wow. <laughs> one, uh, one for every day of the year plus leap year. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I update them as I can. I, I slip and miss. I try to get, you know, thousandth game, 500th goal, that sort of thing. Um, and I, sometimes I slip and miss just because I'm I'm busy or sick or whatever. So with with that, with knowing that, off the top of your head, Jen, is, is there a particular date that you know, has the largest document? Like this is the busiest day historically in, in the hockey season. There are a couple in the spring that I start. I So I, I send out a tweet every two minutes usually between 10 and 11. Um, there are a couple of days in the spring that I start at 10 and end at like 11.15 or so, 11.30, somewhere in there. That's crazy. And wow. It's usually because it's a trade day or <laughs> it was a popular birthday or, you know. The trade days get a little weird, I will admit, because there's so many trades and so much information that I squeeze some of it into my head and other stuff just pops out. So I go back and I'm like, oh, really? This is a trade that happened? Am I sure about this? I, I have self-doubt and I have to go back and, and look the trade up. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's a weird trade. <laughs> the the ones worth forgetting are the ones that always pop out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the stuff that falls out of my head and I have to try and shove it back in while something else pops out. One of these about... days, I'm going to forget how to tie my shoes or something. You, you need to get like an assistant <laughs> to store the extra information for you. Like, <laughs> right, I've just forgotten this. You remember that, and then I'll come back to you as like my uh, my auxiliary brain. It'd be like having a living hard drive almost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my my boyfriend Scott, who does three podcasts of his own good lord i don't know how he does that is very much into he's he's sort of a, a equipment geek mm -hmm. if i have a photo i can't identify i'll show it to him and he's like oh well those gloves plus that stick in that jersey that means it's you know it's this player <laughs> and not that one and i'm like how how do you do this That's and so he doesn't good. Like, I can identify them by their masks and, you know, that sort of thing. But with him, he just takes a look at, like, the stick plus one of their pads. And he's like, oh, that's obviously. And I'm going, yeah, sure, obviously. And he does um, numbers, too, like jersey numbers. So I'm like, hey, who was number 37 on the Bruins in 80, I don't know, 85? And he just tells me. I'm just like, how? How do you do that? And he looks at me and he's like, I don't know. How do you do what you how can, do? How can you not do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can I can barely keep up with jersey numbers for everybody in the league this season, let alone yeah, for all of for all of humankind sort of thing. That's <laughs> that's quite a set of brains in your house there, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're a, a good match. <laughs> so you follow the University of North Dakota, is that right? Yes. you go to their games yes what what differences aside from the blinding obvious because obviously two english buffoons like ourselves we don't really watch that much college hockey what differences do you notice <laughs> that, between that obviously well yeah <laughs> what differences do you notice between the college game and you know what happens at the nhl level college hockey is definitely more 
finesse uh, skill hockey. There's there's less big hitting. So like the, those big, you know, the, those big hits that you see in the NHL generally don't happen in college hockey a whole lot. There might be one, two per game, but not, you know, not constant like, like a NHL game. It's more about passes. It's more about plays. UND's penalty kill, our power play is going to kill me, but um, <laughs> so they're, they're it's a nice mirror passes. with uh, a lot of NHL teams this year then. Oh, they're better than last year. I will say that. They're not scoring on the power play, but they're not allowing goals. And that's the important thing. That was a problem last year. I was wondering, does it, does it feel more pure almost? Is that the right word mm-hmm. or not? No, just different. No, like, just different. Like okay. it's, it's not better. It's not worse. It's just different. Players, college hockey players have to wear the full cage. So you can't, so it's uh, it's not like the NHL where there's visors, no visors, you know, it's everybody has to wear a cage. There's a little more, I don't know, joy to college hockey in a sense, because it's, it's about the plays and, you know, when you, when you score a goal, there, there's this whole like production that goes off. And I don't think the NHL does that really, at least anymore. But at UND, you score a goal, there's a, there's like a, there's the horn there's the um, fireworks that go off. There's the goal song. There's um, these things that that um, shoot out like fog that go off above the uh, above the um, the boards. And then there's like these red lights, like like the police lights that go off. I mean, it's just this huge production, and the players do like little dances or whatever and celebrate. And so it's it's a little more pure in that sort of joyful celebratory sense if that makes sense yeah i think i think that side of north american sports full stop is so alien to me and i'm sure to you as well dan the whole sort of collegiate and just school spirit side of it because i mean yeah for sure we we just don't have that in the uk at all there's no emphasis put on you know if you're if you're playing university sports or even secondary school sports like you're not the elite sort of thing. Nobody's turning out to to yeah a, a Cambridge University soccer game sort of thing because yeah nobody's it, showing up in face paint and <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly no exactly. no one shows up at all because nobody cares. That, that's that's the thing. <laughs> Even within the schools, uh, there's no element to that, and, and it boggles my mind when you see even like these high school football stadiums, like, uh, American football stadiums that hold thousands and thousands of people. It's just insane. Yeah, there's a really ugly side to it, more so in in football than hockey. But there's a really ugly side to uh, to college athletics that goes on as well. Is that more than just the exploitation of the the players and and their sort of uh, image rights and earning power, for want of a better term? Yeah, schools have been sanctioned because they have players who are attending non-existent courses. <laughs> Or, you know, um, there, there's like a test taking scandal or, yeah, these non-existent courses or so some of these kids who are, who are playing college football are just there to play football. They're really not there for an education. And I think they're doing a disservice to themselves. But, you know, that's not for me to judge. That's that's their life. Um, you don't see it really happening in college, uh, in college hockey, really. College hockey is a pretty clean pretty clean record not squeaky clean but pretty clean I, um, i'd imagine in the way of comparing hockey to 
to football full stop, yeah, there's less demand to bend and stretch the rules for college hockey versus college football, let's say. Yeah, no, there's there's tons of reasons, or tons of incentive to, to break the rules in college football yeah. unless in college hockey. However, programs like the University of North Dakota pride themselves on being an upstanding, no corners cut sort of place. And that's a, and that makes it more attractive to college hockey recruits because they know this is a place where they can play safely, not get in trouble. <laughs> you know, so there's there's an appeal in college hockey to to that sort of conformity and inher- um, adherence to the rules. We we mentality again too. Definitely, and and for for UND, like I think that reflects in. In their graduates to the NHL to an extent, you know, the most most obvious one being Jonathan Taves and even yeah. even players like Anders Lee and stuff, they're sort of you can see a, a pattern in the not strictly the type of player, but almost the type of person that comes from UND to, to play in the NHL. So it's definitely there is some element of identity that is almost branded on them as people. Oh yes, absolutely. Um it is it's an identity it's a a certain type of mentality and discipline that you'll see out of college players tj oshi is is another big one and oh, he's he uh, und as well yes he was and he's, he's um kind of a local guy local being like i think his family's from 2 hours away so you know local enough and when you come from farm country that's really local that's basically next door neighbor exactly and he's um when they did their outdoor game at Navy Stadium, Scott and I went, and we asked him if he was following UND hockey at all anymore, and he's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, it wasn't even a question. It's, like, it's, is, is a sky blue? Do you follow UND hockey? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a very deep bond that past players have, and, and they come back and visit, and they, you know, see the team and talk to them, and um, keep in touch with current players and give them advice and it's almost like a fraternity in a sense so as we sort of round up this talk here i feel like we could go on for another hour or so actually but i think we'll have to have you on again at some point jen because this has been absolutely fascinating <laughs> i've only got one more question i always like to finish on a less serious question is it about tony hand <laughs> oh, 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 no, and this is why we need oh, to have you Jen. back on again. This is why we need to have you back on again. No, it was. Um, do you have a favorite historical figure? Not just hockey. Anybody? Oh, I have several. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Alice Roosevelt. Would it be unfair was... to assume that's Teddy's wife? No, it's it's uh, Teddy's daughter. Okay. She was just her own person, and nobody was going to control her not least of her father and she did what she wanted and she enjoyed her life and she did really cool things so i'm, I'm a huge fan of of her for that he put me on the interject we we kind of have that over here in this country with um, prince harry at the moment i feel as though he's the same kind of uh, he's kind of gone his own way and decided to forge his own path instead of following obviously his brother yeah and i was really impressed with that letter he put out oh it was amazing it was amazing that was fantastic I, I was really pleased to see that. I, I guess I'm kind of a big fan of the the iconoclast in history, the the person who stands up and says, you know, this isn't the right way. I'm going to go this way. Um, yeah, for sure. So those are probably my favorite people. My favorite, oh, my favorite hockey player is Archer's Urbe. Ooh, good choice. I love him. 
I was in Dallas for the draft, not last year, the last, uh, not the summer, the summer before. And we were invited to the opening of a hockey history museum, uh, a Texas hockey history museum, yep. I should suppose. And they had a bunch of players there from the Dallas Stars, or uh, alumni, I should say, from the Stars. So Lettinen was there, Turco was there, Ludwig was there. And the person who invited me at the time was the team historian for the Dallas Stars. So we're there, we're eating food, and he grabs me. He's like, okay, Jen, you got to come. I, I want to introduce you to Marty Turco. You're going to love this. I'm, okay, fine. So he introduces me to Marty, and he says, this is Jen. She's a hockey historian, too. And she wants to be a goalie. She's learning to be a goalie. And you could just see Marty's head, like, whip around, like, what? Did someone say that she would? <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he looks at me, and he's like, Why? And I, I I just shrugged and I said, because I made the mistake of seeing Arthur's Herbe play when I was like this tall. And that was it. That It's been that ever since. I love, Ar I love Archie. And he's like, me too. And then we proceed to be like fangirls about Herbe for the next five minutes. <laughs> I, I absolutely love it when... No matter what the sport, high-level athletes are still fans of the sport and fans of other players. Because yes, far, far too often you get players that you know they get into the league and then like I'm I'm part of this now, so I can't enjoy it anymore. I've got to yeah. I've got to have professionalism, and you know they're not you know they're not inspiration, they're rivals sort of thing. And oh, to hear that about Turco, who's already an incredible person, just oh, oh, warms my cockles. He's hilarious. I, I, you know, two thumbs up. I, I posted a picture of him, I think, posing for an all-star game. And it was one of those where you sit on the bar stool and you're, you're dressed nicely and, you know, okay, now stare off into the distance. And I asked him, I'm like, were you staring longingly at the beer? Like, what was going on here? And he's like, no, no, it was the beer. <laughs> <laughs> I love Herbe. I, I always loved him as a player. And he always seemed so good natured and it just really appealed to me. And then doing my little historian research, he grew up poor. Not a surprise. Yeah. He made his own equipment. That's really cool. Wow. And then in the last days of being a Soviet bloc country, there were hardliners who were trying to come in to Latvia and reclaim the country. And so there were these rumors that, you know, there would be tanks and these hardliners coming in and, and all of this. Archie and his wife manned a barricade in Riga for two days. Jeez Louise. Wow. And then after his playing days, he started a charity to help childhood victims of abuse. And I don't think I could love, I, I don't think I could love a human being more than I love Archie. A, a genuinely incredible human being. That's that's so yeah. cool. Like everybody on Twitter now knows how much I love him. Well, most people do. And so the other day he was on a, a Stars broadcast. I got like three tweets. Your boy is on TV. And I was like frantically <laughs> trying to get to the channel. Straight onto Reddit streams to to find the Stars game. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I. You know, I don't get starstruck very often. But I, if I met him, I would probably get a little nervous. But, but but then that's <laughs> to have so many compounding reasons to be starstruck by a person. Who who could blame you, Jen? Um, I I wanted to ask one last question, and I feel bad that I didn't squeeze it in before that much better one. Jen, if you could revive one franchise from the past, 
who would it be and why would it be the California Golden Seals? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't revive the Seals. Ah. For the sheer fact that there are already too many California teams. Yeah, that's a that's a good a, as good a reason as any. I would probably revive the Nordiques actually, because pretty much everywhere else that had a team that folded in the past now has one. So yeah. Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, St. Louis, Oakland. Oakland doesn't have team, but you know, I'm, I'm that, so, that area. Uh, yeah, same teams. difference. Yeah, that area has multiple teams. Um, so that really the only one left would be like the Hamilton Bulldogs, the New York Americans, or the Nordiques. The ah. Calgary Flames started out as the Atlanta Flames. Yeah, if we could just move them back, that'd be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> just I, in the middle I, of the night. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, well. Like, like Paul Brown. Browns out of... Uh, yes, yeah, Paul Brown, yeah. Yeah. Out of Cleveland. Yeah. So the yeah. the, the Nordics is a good choice. So I, I I really do think that the the NHL is like not just geographically to have another team in in Quebec, which which is a severely un, underserved province for hockey, considering how passionate it has been throughout the years. But you know, if you if you if you polled a hundred hockey fans to name a defunct franchise, the Nordics are going to be number one. Like they are so so iconic in every single way. They're, they're the ones you'd have to bring back. And I have nothing against uh, bringing back an Atlanta hockey team. The The question there would be ownership. I, I think that would be your biggest question there because you already had a fan base pretty well built. I mean, they, it wasn't like a super huge fan base, but it was a good start. And they were a solid fan base. And you even had celebrity fans like Little John. I, I think the biggest problem there, yeah, would be ownership. And and ownership that would be willing to put up with um, a couple of shaky seasons before getting things really, really on um, off the ground. The problem in Quebec City is again, it's a smaller city. That's always going to be the argument against it, always and forever. It's it's too small, and they're going to argue that the arena there isn't right. And it, I think it would be fine because, yes, it's a small market. You don't need a eighteen thousand seat arena. Is it, is the center videotron not that big then? I don't, I was always under the impression that it was a yeah really good state of the art etc cetera, etc. Cetera. It is, it is. But people are going to tie that argument of it's the market is too small to the arena isn't big enough to you know like there's always going to be reasons people are going to cite. I mean, how long have the Carolina Hurricanes been around? And people are still arguing that hockey doesn't belong in yeah. in South Carolina. Or well, North Carolina, sorry. The the continued success of all the Sun Belt teams is, you know, begs the question of why we even have this conversation about any of them. But I think it's a problem where, for every sort of, you know, the the stars and the lightning and and the hurricanes for every successful franchise that you get, it's you know you're gonna have a, a Coyotes or a Panthers to for the. Oh, sorry, I'm struggling for words. The naysayers. The naysayers. That's it. I was. I, I couldn't get the word haters out of my brain. I didn't want to say it. The naysayers <laughs> to point out and say this is why in the south doesn't work. So, yeah, there's yeah. always an excuse. I mean, the Panthers went to the Cup final in their second year of existence. The Canes won a cup. The Tampa Bay has won. There's just no. There's no point anymore. 
in, in saying that hockey doesn't belong there. They all have solid fan bases. They all have popular merchandise. They all have, you know, like every, every metric you have, they're all popular enough. So at some point, you know, this should die. I don't know if it will or not. There we go. There you have it, people. The, the, the conversation about hockey teams in the South should die from the woman who knows the history of the league better than anyone else. <laughs> well, there was Hockey's a, a sunshine league in the, in the uh, was it the 20s or the 30s? Yeah, there was a, a, a league down in Florida. Oh, Christ. No, no, I'm thinking of the, the current league. Florida had a hockey league before the NHL even, I you know, ever thought of Florida. It was back in the, I want to say the late 20s. It was called the Sunshine League. Oh, but well, that's just beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, that sounds amazing. We need, yeah, we need to we need to exile the the Lightning and the Panthers so they can restart the Sunshine League. <laughs> oh, I just looked oh. out the window and it's snowing. Sorry. That's it. <laughs> okay, no, <laughs> the antithesis of the Sunshine League. <laughs> okay then so we're definitely going to call this part one of two i feel because there's so much we haven't actually touched on but uh for right now jen is there anything you'd like to promote not really i mean you all know where to find me so <laughs> <laughs> fantastic okay then uh, jen thank you so much for your time it's much appreciated yeah i'm, I'm sorry i started rambling like right from the get-go that, that's no, no, no. exactly what we specialize in jen it's all <laughs> yeah, about God. rambling Nobody wants to hear us talk anymore, Jen. It's fine. Like the guests are the star of the show, so thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. And anytime you guys want to talk about like British hockey history or any questions you have about the NHL's past or anything, I'm I'm good. I'm I I know something about it. That's that's perfect. I'm looking forward to another 45 minutes on just Tony Hand alone. <laughs> uh, somebody once asked me uh, if I thought tony hand ever had a serious chance at the nhl and i was like well yes but he didn't want to that's the that's, thing that's the most sacrilegious question anyone could ever ask about saint hand it's just of course <laughs> um no we will save this for the next time and we will discuss exactly how much to, how much better than wayne gretzky tony hand would have been <laughs> and i have okay. a whole list of um British and Irish-born hockey players that people probably would never guess. So, as, as long as it starts with Liam Kirk and, and ends with Liam Kirk, that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say Owen Nolan, but he was born in uh, Belfast. That's Northern Ireland, so we, we'll still count Owen Nolan. He can still he can still be part of the list. <laughs> okay. Thank you so Thank much you for your time, Jed. It's been a this real been honest pleasure. Honest pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your yes, Sunday, Jed. Sure. Yeah, I'll talk to you guys next time. Excellent. Okay, take care. Thank, Thank you. Jen. Bye. Bye. There we go. A fantastic talk again with NHL history girl Jen. Just to reiterate, she was amazing, wasn't she? Oh, she was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, the whole interview was buoyed by the fact that her favourite player, Arthur Bay, is a former star. Really got her some extra brownie points. But no, I mean, even, even before having an actual conversation with her, Jen's incredible. Like anyone on involved in hockey Twitter in any way, shape, or form, she's like a default follow. For you know, for me, you're not gonna. Where else are you gonna get such an insightful history into the game that is so obsessed with its past? Nowhere. Definitely. And she got a new job this week. So congrats, Jen. Well done. Well done, Jen. All right. Welcome back to this week's edition of Hey It's Hockey, and someone's <laughs> a fucking idiot. This week's winner, of course, 
Mr. Don Cherry. Good well, thing about this no. bit of um, you know heinous hockey activity for the week is we can actually revel in the positive side of this. Well, I see I'm doing this to you now. Well, are, are you familiar we'll with the... We'll go, we'll go on, we'll, we'll go on. With the, the old rhyme, Ding Dong, which is dead. Yeah, but it's how we got there. It's how we got there. It's... Let's just... Just quickly. Yeah, Carl, Carl, let's let's surmise it for anyone who's been living under a rock for last week. Well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go straight into this side of it, because obviously we don't need to surmise it. Um, he said some fucking awful things. Now, I'm not going to absolve Don Cherry for what he said. I want to talk a bit more about Sportsnet and Rogers, who continually employed this guy when it was when it was clear that this was the kind of person he was. What did they think would happen? The guy's 85 years old and Sportsnet are coming out appearing to be, oh, we're completely caught off guard by his comments. And I've made this comment before, but we all remember that time when we're talking to Grandad and he says something and we go, oh, he's a fucking racist. Shit. <laughs> I had no idea until now. It's only just hit me. This has been happening at, on sport, like at Sportsnet for how long now? And it's only t- and, and of course, they've only just done something about it. And language plays a massive part in social situations. And by saying you people, it is blindingly obvious what he's doing. The phrase is clearly divisive. He is given a national platform to say what he wanted to say. And it's fine if some dumb fucking cunt like Tommy Robinson or that hot dog water drinker Nigel Farage is spouting off bullshit somewhere. I can avoid those comments because I choose not to pay attention to what they're saying. Before a national broadcast, it's different. An issue comes because Sportsnet thought this would all blow over. And again, not absolving him for what he said. What he said was wrong. But the way Sportsnet handled it was so idiotic and not worse, but they were both as bad as each other. Because Sportsnet came out with some fluffy bullshit apology, thinking, it's okay, we'll do this, we'll get through the weekend, and then it'll be fine. It was two reasons why he got fired. One was the backlash just kept going and kept going and the mm-hmm. apology made it worse the the sportsnet apology was like i said just fluff and that that made it worse i didn't kind of placate the situation in any way and the second one is that you know for a fact they went to him and said you have to apologize and he told them to fuck off probably because ron mclean goes on tv a couple of days after and says he's sorry those are the two reasons why the backlash kept going and he clearly would not apologize the the issue that that carries on even though Don Cherry's gone is is the fact that yeah you fired Don Cherry for his racist remarks but the institution that enabled and propped up and defended this man for the last thirty eight years of of national broadcast remains like you say they they didn't fire him on the spot Ron McLean yeah we'll talk about Ron McLean in a minute but Ron McLean didn't even stop to stop him during the broadcast which is an issue in itself and it just represents the fact that you know sportsnet can come out with as many typed up uh word you know letter-headed responses saying oh this doesn't represent sportsnet's values and this doesn't represent what we want to put across to uh, our canadian people like yes it does he he has done for years and years and years and he has said other things that many have argued are much worse than this yeah. I think about Don Cherry in the way that I think I, I view Pierre Maguire like I don't know if you feel the same, Dan, but where we don't have Hockey Night in Canada over here, where we don't have the NBC broadcast as regularly over here, you're not as in tune to them like I don't 
no I'm like Don Don Cherry for better or worse is not ingrained into my psyche as part of hockey. Yeah, so me neither. I, you know, I don't necessarily un, I'm not familiar with with the things he said in the past out aside from second hand sources and, and equally he's not you know, he's not it's not like Gary Lineker and Match of the Day sort of thing. It's not that he is not the face of hockey on Saturday night for us. But yeah, the point stands Nothing's really changed until Sportsnet prove it's changed. And the fact that Ron McLean, the host of Hometown Hockey, which is a show that specifically is designed to... It's like the one show combined with hockey. To, <laughs> That's an amazing reference. Thank you very much. It's, it's to, you know, supposedly to showcase... Canadian values are like Canada through the lens of hockey, every aspect of Canada. The fact that the man who hosts that program, yeah, you don't know whether Ron McLean was gonna apologise, whether Ron was, whether Don was fired or not. But still, the fact that he didn't catch him in the moment, the fact that Don Ron McLean in that moment was not an ally to those people, where he had as much of a platform as Don Cherry did, and he was the only one of the few who could have stopped Don Cherry and not rectified the situation but addressed the situation immediately. The fact that McLean didn't do that is extremely disappointing. And yeah, until Sportsnet prove otherwise, they're not they're not admonished from this either. Absolutely not. They're just as culpable for giving Don Cherry the platform to spew this hate time and time and time and time again. There was a whole thing... Sorry, I'm absolutely rambling now. But there was a whole thing last summer where it sort of came out that he had been let go, hadn't had his contract renewed, and then he came back. It was never confirmed sort of thing. So the fact that Sportsnet had all these opportunities to part ways with Don Cherry, but decided that his character, his, his, his persona, was enough of a cash cow, enough of a, a sort of um, figurehead to pin their hockey coverage on, to bring him back and only drop him after severe public backlash, after another, another heinous incident, shows that they backed Don Cherry every, every step of the way. Here's the thing, all right. If you went on Twitter after that news came down, it was 50-50. People celebrating, people furious. I was very surprised. The- I mean, people are threatening to stop watching Hockey Night in Canada, which is bizarre, if you ask me. The show's called Hockey Night in Canada, not Don Cherry Stand-Up Hour. I mean, you're going to stop watching a channel because of one five-minute segment with two old dudes in it. Okay, whatever, that's weird. But there was a lot of people... Who were furious, and and that's this. the thing. I mean, you sorry, Dan. You say, you say fifty-fifty, but that's just of what you see. I'd love to know what the actual figures are for the whole of Twitter. I reckon there's a vast majority out. Yeah, you know, it's almost the the tip of the iceberg that we're seeing. I reckon there's a lot more pro pro Don Cherry out there that we're not seeing. And with the whole backlash to Cherry's firing and like the support that's coming out for Don Cherry, it's so so saddening because of it's not you know the whole i stand with don cherry like it's not like oh we just don't think he should be on there anymore no it's i i agree with his racist sentiment with his... yeah exactly D- dan are you, are you wearing a poppy not right now do you do you regularly wear a poppy uh no neither do i neither do i obviously i completely respect what was given up in in World War One, like you know, respect to those who lost their lives and stuff like that, to fight for our freedoms in this day and age. But no, I don't wear, I don't wear a poppy. Is Don Cherry out there attacking the white people in downtown Toronto who aren't wearing poppies? No, he's not. 
you people who come for our milk and honey, how can you invoke a biblical phrase like that that is directly attacking Jesuits who do not have a homeland and and then claim that it's not a racial thing? <laughs> Fuck. They're it's everywhere. Ridiculous. Everywhere. Everywhere. And then and then he just leans into it by going on Tucker Carlson. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Oh, did you see as well that Jeremy Roanet came out today in support of Don Cherry? Yeah, and uh, and Nazem Kadri, weirdly. Oh, really? Yeah, Nazem, Nazem Kadri, Don Cherry fan. All right, mate. Great. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If he'd have said, I'm furious at people who don't wear poppies, everyone in this country should wear a poppy. That's fine. Yeah. But like you say, he didn't say that. He said, you people. And I don't want to fucking hear semantics. We all know what that means. We all know what that means. You people. And he's right. Who... Do you know what? To be fair, everyone should wear a poppy. I agree with that sentiment. Wherever you're from, you should wear a poppy. Because guaranteed, even if you were on the in the, in the First World War, even if your country historically was on the side of wrong, you you still... Your country still sacrificed in a horrific way young men and women who went to war and died for essentially the wills of older people or politicians deciding this is what should happen. Mm -hmm. And it's an absolute travesty it ever came to that ever. And then obviously to do it again years later. But the First World War was let's all charge over here. We'll keep throwing human suffering at it until they run out of bullets. And that's what it was. And everybody should wear a poppy. Now, I don't wear a poppy, but my daughter, like, she has a poppy, she has a wristband, she has a pencil with a poppy on it. You know, she has all the kind of, she has all that kind of stuff. And we make her aware of what happened and wherever we are, we do the minute silence and all that kind of thing. But I but I don't wear one. But I should. You know what? I probably should. And that sentiment, I, I completely agree with. Like, young people have to know about this thing. It is, in, in my opinion, it's very important. But he singled, he singled out you people. It's clearly fucking racist. Like, I don't understand how people can't, see that or grasp that or i can't see how people see that and grasp that and i decide that's okay yeah absolutely mental day absolutely mental and this could easily just devolve into ranting about issues with borders and racism and prejudice against someone being born somewhere else i I guarantee what this turns into i guarantee this turns into why don't you support the troops well that's what it turns into I was basically wonder. I know, no, because no, it's not the the flashpoint in the comments isn't about supporting the troops and supporting war because it's not supporting. Oh, no, war. It's like it's it's honouring the past. Fa- but fans of his, fans of his, will turn it into these people don't like you people don't support the troops. That's that's what it is. <laughs> people shouldn't have to support the troops. <laughs> Don't, let's not, let's not. <laughs> we'll be here all day. Anyway. Um... <laughs> all right, just quickly then. To, to round this off then, Go now we've talked about Don Cherry going, what do you make oh, yeah. of Ron McLean's part in all this? Because he apologises for failing to intervene. And do you know what? If I was in his position, I'd like to think I would have said something. But honestly, I don't know if I would have done. Because I don't know if at that time, in my brain... It's not like, you know, you know Homeward, the drumming monkey. I'm oh, not just yeah. thinking, I'm not just thinking to myself, oh, fucking Don's off on one again. Like, not even listening to what he's saying. Because 
Ron can't be paying attention all the time to what this fucking psychopath is ranting on about. Mate, he can't be. You can see it in the geezer's face. Every time I've seen a snippet of Don Cherry going off on something, it's like, what is the point of Ron being here just to, to emphasise how how monotonous and boring this guy is? So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw Ron under the bus and come on it and play high and mighty and say, well, I would have said something. Honestly, I I don't know if I would have done. I like to th- I like to think I would have done, but I'm not gonna lie and say I definitely 100 would have done because I'm not sure if I would have I would have or not. And to be fair to Ron McLean, like the way he apologised. It wasn't one of those, I'm sorry that people were offended by what I said. It it did seem relatively sincere. And I think in some respect, Ron McLean's built up enough goodwill to to enact such a sincere apology, seemingly yeah. sincere, and for us to believe him and, and give him that. You know, Ron McLean's not the one who said it. It would have been good to see him step in. But for me, that apology is enough to give him a bit of bit more good grace for now sort of thing yeah i agree should we should we talk about <clears throat> what what do you think is going to happen next because we're we're, t- we're basically what three days away now from next hockey night in canada yeah i've got no idea i've got no idea do you know what, actually i hope they have a i hope they have an immigrant coach from like who's coaching in canada just comes out dressed in a poppy suit or something <laughs> Just really don't, f- don't talk to me about because you read poppy suits like that one that was at the at the footy. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> just a guy, just an immigrant, an immigrant dressed as a poppy, just to really fuck up everyone's fucking day. Who gets so butthurt over this kind of stuff? I d- I, just hockey night uh, in Canada, Punjabi edition. Their their five minutes. Yeah, the, the, genuinely, the best idea was the best idea was they should have a new person on, or like a rotating cast of ten or twelve or something, mm-hmm. but not just all fucking white dudes or old white guys. Have a young black coach on. Have an older female coach on. You know, just fucking rotate it a bit. Let's have some. Let's let's really have some diversity now. I've made the comment before when they tweet out the draft day team. It's literally like twenty seven white guys. One mixed race guy and one woman. <laughs> and I'm like, do you not see how this looks? It looks terrible. And this is coming. This is coming from two white guys who do this show. Yeah. It looks fucking ridiculous in the year 2019 that your draft day coverage is 97 percent white dudes. It's it's crazy. And they're still doing better than we are. <laughs> so that's what I would like. I would like a revolving. If they're going to do something else with it, like a you know a revolving door of guests. Of all different races, colours, creeds, everything. Just, you know. It's 2019, people. Shouldn't be that difficult. No, I want, I want Steve Dangle. Just to really annoy people. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's super critical. <laughs> or just, like players and coaches. Just ultra danglish. Like, yeah. just really, just really scre- emphasised. Just screaming in McLean's, just screaming in McLean's face. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually kind of like to see that. Actually, that'd be quite funny. Actually, I, I reckon it'd be good. <laughs> but no, you're you're right. Like, keep it fresh, because I, I reckon they'll just bin off the segment and I'll probably just have more Friedman and Johnston. Which, as 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 content goes, isn't a bad thing because those guys are good. They're very yeah. I, I like I like what Friedman and Johnston do. But yeah. there's that elephant in the room of 
really, if they really want to enact some change and respond properly to this situation, they have to have a different voice on. They've got to to show sincerity in the fact that they want to change and grow and, and distance themselves from Cherry's viewpoints and what he said. You've got to have somebody different on there. Someone from a different background, different ethnic group, different gender, whatever it might be. You can't just replace it with more Elliot Friedman. No disrespect to Friedrich, because Friedrich hasn't done anything wrong. It's not Friedrich's fault, he's no. white, but... Yeah, you can't just have another five minutes of Friedrich, because that is Sportsnet not acting correctly. We will see. We will see. We'll see. All right, then. Let's go on to something else. Let's go on to some real hockey news. I, I gave you some homework, Will, to look into... Uh, John Shaker, as we mentioned, his extension oh, yeah. may be surprising to some people because he still, I think, he's still got eighteen months left <laughs> on his deal. So I was trying, I was trying to reconfirm that. Uh, I didn't look very deep, but um, yeah, eighteen months. I can barely believe that. Eighteen months is mental. I didn't even know you could do that with GMs. I'd, I'd always assumed that it was the same rules as the players. No, yeah, no, I thought you could. I thought you could because it just they're not treated the same as the players, are they? So sorry, Mister. Uh... <laughs> Mr. GM. <laughs> oh, Mr. Fucking Contract Law. Oh. Yeah, no, no, Jesus Christ. What's uh, my uh, quick quick snapshot of of my assessment of John Shaker and his ability as a general manager? UFA signings, nay bad, nay bad at all. He's not not that, not that he's particularly good, but he's really buoyed by the fact that he's got. <laughs> Managed to get Anthony Ranta and Darcy Kemper to luck into uh, being good for him. So fair play to him. It's it's more that he hasn't had too many drastic misses on the UFA market. I'd say okay. the big one is Alex Goligoski. Not looking all that good at 5.475 million for another two years. Even so, it's one of those ones where you look at the, the timing when they signed Goligoski and the state that the franchise was in as far as like appealing to to UFAs and, and the state that their defence was in, it was an understandable gamble to take, and he's unfortunately dropped off a cliff more than you'd have wanted him to. RFAs, I don't really like it. <laughs> I don't really like it all that much. The the Christian Dvorak and Jacob Chikrin contracts are... um. It's, it's one of those ones where in a couple of years we might be looking back at them saying, oh, fantastic deals, absolutely fantastic deals. How have you got Jacob Chikrin for 4.6 million or whatever? But he's not quite there yet, I don't think. Same for Christian Dvorak. Christian Dvorak's potentially getting there. But, well, this um, was... Yeah, not so Yeah, this much. was kind of the one for me, was, was the RFA signings. And the young players he's got locked up for seemingly not much money... Like I say, Jacob Trickham, 4.6 for another, what, six years? Well, yeah, another five years after this. Yeah. Uh, Christian Dvorak, 4.45. In same. The first year of that contract as well, yeah. Yeah, Nick Schmaltz has got, what, seven years left? Or six years after this, it's 5.85. Clayton Keller going to be starting his 7.15 next year. So if those players can turn out to be not not good, but they have to be they have to be very good, yeah, and then yeah, you come back in a few years and go, God, you know, the guy's a genius. And we do criticize 
we do criticise GMs a lot for not for paying players for what they've done rather than what they can do. And fair play, I think. Um, I think uh, yeah, I think John Chaker's sort of shown some brass ones here by saying, "All right, I'm going to pay these players now, get them all playing together, and hopefully in a few years they'll be bedded in, and that'll be it. We'll be off of the races, kind of thing." It's, which is all well and good, but generally, before you even want to do that, you want to have at least some proof in the pudding. You know what I mean? That's why Clayton Keller, yeah, I, can, I can understand because Clayton Keller has shown flashes of, of his ability to be a star, but like Dvorak and Chikorin, Blue and Egg, like Chikorin especially, he's, he's been good and he was you know, touted as a prospect before his draft year and stuff like that, and he's got all the tools to be a good D man, but he's not really shown any of it yet. Yeah, I don't know. True. There's seeing a potential breakout and trying to lock someone up and there's just betting on the future, you know what I mean? Betting on something that hasn't materialised in the slightest yet. So you're, it's safe to say you're it's safe to say your thumbs leaning down. I think maybe down, yeah, but like just generally a bit neutral. Like he's got some good bits, some bad bits. Like I don't really like the Dylan Strom trade. Like Nick Schmaltz is good, but the the Phil Kessel trade's fine. Not great, but not not bad. Like it's it's just really neutral to be honest. The the thing I'm trying to work out a little bit of is is his drafting. Bearing in mind he's only had four drafts, so sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. I'm not bloody Corey Promen over here or anything like that. I'm not super tuned into prospects, <laughs> but looking through these this list of players that they've drafted and there aren't a lot of like yeah, I, I do like to check the old top 100 players outside the NHL or whatever it is by, by Prominent Wheeler and all that sort of stuff. And there's not a lot of names jumping out here to me that I'm thinking, right, these are some up-and-comers. So, I mean, on, on the surface, he's, dra- he's drafted all right in the first round, but not exactly well, else, not notably well elsewhere. His trades are so-so, his signings are so-so. If he wasn't 30 years old, would we even be talking about John Chaker as a GM? That's a good point. That's a very good point. He is, because obviously when he took over, he was the youngest GM in history, wasn't he, I think, when he took over. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, there's always going to be something around him because of that, because of that fact. I think, like you said, I think the main thing about this season is that, the, at least for the time being, touch wood for all the uh, Coyotes fans out there, is that they have decent goaltending which has been the thing for years that they just couldn't get a save or all the goalies or specifically anti-ranta w- was always getting injured and they just couldn't find a, a rhythm. And then like you say, you, you get Darcy Kemper and I kind of, oh well, let's hope this guy works out. But and, it, and so far he's working out really well. And the, the thing with that is like, how much of a, how much credit do you give him because he brought Ranter in as yeah he added all his eggs in in the sorry he brought brought Ranter in as a starter and Kemper has just been you know found money for, yeah. for John Jaker. Yeah. so how much can you really give him credit of saying oh yeah Darcy Kemper's going to be great because it's not like he brought him in as a starter so well that's not that won't be the, you know what hockey's like that won't be the narrative will it no no the narrative absolutely. will be John Jaker took a chance on this guy found him brought him in and you know look what he did he's been amazing. 
Yeah, and like by by that token, I could say about any move that any GM makes. Like, oh, how could you, you know, for a player True. that improves when they join that team? So it's it's a bit disingenuous in some ways. And then there's that element of, yeah, we're we're twenty games into the season, and, and Arizona are doing much better than they have been previously, in over the last few years. But yeah, Jake has been at the helm since two thousand sixteen now, and this has been their first. If they carry on their first good year, so yeah, I don't know. To an extent, it's still a bit too early days to really grade him properly. Yeah. Okay then. A, a solid grey, fifty percent achievement, whatever you want to. Yeah. Just neutral. A solid C right now. <laughs> yeah, solid C. <laughs> solid C. Okie dokie. So a couple of wingers in the news a little bit, and at different stages of their career, uh, Jesse Pujarvi and Ilya Kovalchuk. Hmm. <laughs> Pujarvi, a little story this week on Sportsnet about Pujarvi. He's been playing quite well in Finland for, for Carpat, 20 points in 18 games. The Rangers are reportedly keeping tabs on him and keep asking Ulas about him. Uh, are you surprised he hasn't moved yet or been brought back to Edmonton? Uh, I'm not surprised he hasn't been brought back to Edmonton because he explicitly said that he doesn't want to go back to Edmonton. <laughs> so, uh, I mean... <laughs> I don't quite know how like the the NHL recall clause works, but he he would have to sign a contract. Obviously, they couldn't just turn around and say you're not allowed to play for Carpat anymore. Come back to Edmonton. Yeah, he's got till December the first, doesn't he, to sign? I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. So I'm not surprised he hasn't come back to Edmonton. <sighs> to an extent, I'm not surprised he hasn't been traded because it is still early doors, really. Like that December the first deadline is early, very early for for a team to make a decision on on a player who to an extent hasn't you know whether it's through his own fault or through the team's fault he hasn't proven himself at the NHL level yet. So I think just I've, quickly then go on. Sorry, just quickly, just based off that then. So it's clear teams are asking about him. Do you think Ken Holland standing his ground because a he still thinks. Yarvi has a future in Edmonton, even though he said he hasn't. Or do you think he's standing his ground with teams to make a point? Is it for too long under our Lord and Saviour, the Teflon Don? Mm-hmm. The Oilers were a joke, and we're completely we're always getting rinsed on trades. Do you think this is Holland's way of saying, you know, we're not going to be pushed around here. This is the price, and that's the price. You don't just kind of take us for a ride anymore. Holland's getting calls from Doug Wilson every week. Like, how about Tim Heed? Go on, I'll give you Tim Heed. <laughs> No, Doug, I'm not going to give you Paul Yarvey for Tim Heed. All right, all right. And then Lou Lamarello's phone. Like, Ross Thompson for Jesse Paul Yarvey. Go on. Come on. The trade's one for one. One for one. Come on. Trade's one. Oh, God. I said it again. Uh, no, I think, yeah, there could be there could be an element of Holland thinking, well, I might as well hang on to him because you never know what's going to happen. But I also think that Holland knows that he's obviously not getting a, an offer that he is happy with yet because if he was he probably would have taken it and he's yeah. probably looking at this start that Paul Yarvey's having and thinking right if I trade him now that's one thing but if he carries on like this and he's only been getting better and better out there in Finland if he gets to the yeah. end of the season and he's had like an MVP caliber season in the Liga yeah he's probably going to get you a proper asset again yeah, rather than like a second or third round pick and a prospect, which he would have done before, if he if he really looks like he's back to the kind of player that was touted for his draft year, 
and yet you might get something that's really really worth actually giving up a player of that caliber for. Yeah. So I reckon no, I reckon point. it'll go good the full point. season. It'll go the full season. He'll play the entire year in Finland, and then he'll probably get traded. I say next summer, but it's the NHL, so he'll never get traded. <laughs> and then, of course, at the other end, Ilya Kovalchuk, who was told to take a seat permanently in LA. This came out yesterday that I first saw in a tweet from Toronto-based Will Everett Human, Elliot Friedman, after <laughs> meeting with Todd McClellan in the summer, and they had a chat about what McClellan expected of him and what he should be doing, and obviously he hasn't lived up to that. And then today, just where we came on, the rumour now via uh, Dennis Bernstein, who covers the Kings, is that the Kings and Kovalchuk are working on a release from his contract. Or oh, so release. I think it's fair to say, I think it's fair to say that it uh, has gone tits up, as they say well. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. So um, enjoy, enjoy Evan Kovalchuk for the rest of the season, SK St. Petersburg. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's not, he's not doing awfully this year, is he? He's, he's fourth highest scorer on the Kings, but that's not saying much. I reckon, I reckon it's got to be a, maybe Kovalchuk's asked to go home. He's like, stuff this. Maybe Cause, he has. Because he hasn't come back and lit it up, has he? It might be the thing that I mentioned sometimes, I never think about, but maybe he just doesn't like it there. Maybe his family hates living in America. I don't know. I'm like, because he you brought his know. family with him. You know, That's so it. I mean, maybe his wife and his kids are just like, you know what, we just we just don't like it here. Can we go home, please? And well, it's just playing into his game, and he's not enjoying himself. And yeah, I mean, there you go. The the rumor was that he wanted specifically either like New York or Los Angeles. L- so L.A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like he's not. It's not like he's playing in Winnipeg or whatever. He's got a good wife. It must be hard though to go from. It must be hard though to go from playing, like you say, to from St. Petersburg, where he's averaging like more than a point a game, to then going back to the NHL and thinking, "Oh shit, I can't really do it here anymore," or "I'm not being used properly." Yeah, that that might be the thing. I reckon if he was playing well, it'd obviously be different. But oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. I think I think there's definitely something to it, like the fact that he's not quite as happy with with how he's been playing. To clarify as well, I'll be stunned if he goes anywhere else other than um, home. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, without a doubt, I reckon he's going home. He's gone. See you later. Thanks for coming back, Ilya, but it's uh, it's not really worked, has it? Nick Foligno has been suspended three games for his hit on Pierre-Edouard Belmar. And Belmar is knocked out. Foligno knocked out Belmar in the neutral zone with a shot up top. Oh, my goodness gracious. You know, he's not a headhunter, but on this particular play, he comes up high, he jumps into the guy. I mean, that is, watch his, watch his feet. I actually didn't know I hit him in the head at all uh, when I went. That's why I was kind of reacting the way I did, and I saw the replay, and there was no intent to hit him like that at all. I mean, I think he, you know, I'm trying to line him up at the time, and then he kind of turns back and makes that play, and it just happened so fast, and I felt, you know, sick to my stomach when I saw that I hit him in the head, and, um, you know, it's just it's an unfortunate, like, collision almost, and uh, my main concern is that he's just all right, and I, I got word from the, their locker room that he's, he's feeling all right, so. I think... This was unlucky. I think Belmar turns at the last second, I think because he sees, he sees Felino coming towards him. And I think because he, he, as Felino comes in, he does lead, he does lead with his arm. And I got, I got to say, he does lead with his arm. But I, this is Nick Felino's first suspension. I just don't believe he's this kind of player. I genuinely don't. Mm. But 
Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. None of us are mind readers. I mean, to be fair, I think he should have been suspended because he did, obviously, he did what he did. I'm not saying, but I think the fact the hit occurred, this was more of an unlucky hit than a, he was targeting him kind of thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you couldn't try to sort of orchestrate this situation, could you really? It's it's the one where you don't know what Felino's thinking in that moment. So the way that he he rises into the hit as well as leading with the elbow is that him trying to sort of jump and get out of the way of colliding with Belmar, or is that him trying to bloody shoyrukin him through the ice like what? Shoyrukin. If he added in a little spin as well, that'd have been that'd yeah. have been it's one of those ones like you've got to have a, you know, a plant inside Felino's brain to really know whether it was intentional or not. It deserved a suspension. It was a nasty hit. And yeah, a great way to, to filter out all those people on Twitter who are like, this is a hockey play. Why are you all being such pansies? No, nah, mate. Yeah, and fair play to Felino as well. He said afterwards, didn't he? He said that he, was, you know, he felt sick to his stomach. He was horrified. He's not that kind of player. He was very apologetic. He wasn't just... Then what I did wrong? No, it was, it was a hockey play. So whatever happens on the ice stays he, uh, on the ice. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He said all the right things afterwards as well. So I, like Ron McLean earlier, he seemed he seemed genuinely I, upset that this had even happened. I was going to say we'll give him the Ron McLean for now and uh, and see where we go from there. Yeah, if he turns into the next Rafi Torres, we'll know he had us all fooled. <laughs> and the last thing, hopefully Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan have even thicker skin than we thought will, mate, as they've been. <laughs> Almost a year ago to the day, unbelievably, of the Jim Lights comments, Jim Montgomery has a, has taken a swipe at them both. What, uh, how, is, how, is the, how are things in Starsland taken to this news? We're, we're looking forward to winter 2020 when Jim Neal completes the trifecta and uh, finally calls him out himself. Is he the... James Gang. The, the Jim Gang, yeah. It, the Jim Gang. It, um, the comments weren't... I don't, I don't think they're that bad, really. I mean, they definitely weren't as bad as Jim Lights, aka Tom Kaglady, did last year. Nowhere near. I think to an extent, yeah, it was just a coach frustrated with his players. It was, it was unorthodox. Yeah, you, know, you don't often see that from a coach directly calling out his players, questioning whether they want to want to actually play well or not. The times are changing, dude. The times players are, are calling changing. out coaches. Coaches are calling out players. Every, That's it. You want a personality? Here it is. Oh. Yeah, everyone's calling out everyone nowadays. It's um, yeah, it's not ideal though, is it? <laughs> it's not ideal though. It's another indication that the stars are actually a very, very dysfunctional organization, <laughs> and we just don't quite know it yet because nobody cares about hockey in Texas. <laughs> I'm not. As a fan, I'm not worried about the comments per se I'm worried about the fact that it's happened again and to the same two players. Yeah I was going to say to the same two players. And this is they've got the highest cap hit for a duo on a team with the lowest number of points Oh really? Ah I did not know that. They're the only duo who have a combined cap hit of over, over 15 million I think who haven't cracked 20 points Okay, Com- I did not combined. know that. I was going to sort of ask the devil's advocate question of, do you think Montgomery's done this knowing that 
Ben and Sagan are two guys who can take it and won't care as a, like an example to the other team, to the rest of the team? Or do you think he is solely singling out those two players? I think he... I don't want to say it was careless from Montgomery, but to an extent it was. I think he's quite exacerbated already from like the Stars had a diabolical start. They're looking at probably not making the playoffs this season. Almost definitely not making the playoffs this season, which he's going to already be aware of and be disappointed with. And Jamie Ben's been in decline for a couple of seasons now, fair enough. But the fact that both Ben and Tyler Sagan are playing so badly at the moment, offensively at least, you know, they're not converting. It's got to be frustrating. Like he's got to think, right, I've, I've fixed the rest of the team and everyone else is, is doing their bit and we're getting some results, but I can't get the two players that arguably in his head he shouldn't have to coach really. They're not doing what they're expected to do. Like he's already been pushed over the edge by the team playing so badly for the first 15 games and now he's just already in that mode of like, I don't know what to do anymore. Is it possible that he saw what happened last year with Jim Light and that now in the Stars head office, coach's room, there's a plaque behind a sheet of glass that just says slag off Ben and Sagan and it's like in case of emergency, in case break of emergency this. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just using it again <laughs> I'd, I'd hope not because I from what I've seen I like Montgomery he seems like an interesting guy an interesting coach I'd hope he wouldn't be stupid enough to think that works here we are Kashimai Fordwell the year is 2023 so interesting news out of Dallas this week, Will, is that Kitman Jim Smith has slagged off Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan as the stars have started the season quite poorly. Don't even know how to tie their own laces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't have to tell my number one left winger and my number one centre how to tie their own laces. It's a shambles. <laughs> oh, you do just... And, and it's the annoying thing where, like, it gives fuel to, like, the worst parts of the fandom. They're like, ooh, trade, yeah, totally. trade Tyler Sagan, take the captaincy away from Jamie Benz. Like, get out of here. Like, no, don't be... We're going to do trade Tyler Sagan for, for who? Jesse Pugliari? We're trading back to the Bruins for the players that we traded him for. <laughs> Possibly. Possible. Sam Ari <laughs> Riley Smith. Yeah, swap. And, I mean, Riley Smith would be all right. Riley Smith's not bad, but I still probably wouldn't trade <laughs> Tyler Sagan for him and Joe Morrow and Louis Erickson. Yeah. Man versus eight-year-old. Hey, Will, you schmuck. You're going to get roasted by an eight-year-old, you fool. Um, interesting, Will, that last week you accused me of rigging this like I was some I kind of Russian politician. I didn't accuse you. I just said that there's no way of proving that you haven't rigged it. So you accused me of rigging it. And then <laughs> after declaring my daughter's picks for the world to hear, she did me proud this week, scoring four points to your two, as it's now 15-12 to my daughter. I'm gonna. If I lose again this week, I'm just gonna bow out and stop wasting everyone's time and say, cut ten minutes off the podcast every week. Because <laughs> we all know how this ends. We all know how this ends. Well, maybe okay. Well, if if that happens, then if you want to concede, it's, okay. Say if you get like ten points down or something, is that just mercy rule? Forget it. Well, I don't know. We'll see how I feel on that next on, week when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. And in the interest of fairness, I shall read out her picks again this week. Oh, thank you so very everyone much. can keep up and play along at home. So Oilers Avs. Oilers Avs. Oilers. How fucking good's Nathan McKinnon playing without Landerskog or Rantanen? Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's 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 um, right. 
He's not a bad, he's not a bad player. Uh, she chose the oil lids because they can oil on the floor and then it'll make everyone else slip over. So there we go. I feel she is uh, misinterpreting the significance of team names, but I definitely <laughs> like that as a proposition for uh, That's for the competition committee. Kings, Red Wings. Oh, Jesus. Red Wings. She chose the Kings because they rule the land. Fair, yeah, sound logic. You can't, you can't, can't argue with that, can you? Blue Jackets, Blues. The Blues? And uh, does George say the Blue Jackets because they're warmer? No, she picked the Blue Jackets because she said Christopher Columbus is very famous. No, but... she did not. I swear to God she did. That's crazy. I don't even know what Christopher well, Columbus did. Okay, so on my on my screen, I wrote CBJ Blues, and she said, "What's the C stand for?" I said, "Doesn't matter, because it's the Blue Jackets." You know what's the C? I said, "It's the Columbus Blue Jackets." She went, "Oh, Columbus Blue Jackets then, because Christopher Columbus is famous." Fair That's enough. Okay. You can't. You can't. Uh, well, she should should have asked about St. Louis Blues, and she should have said, "Oh, Martin St. Louis is famous." She's <laughs> been right for that as well. So. What does blue stand for? The St. Louis Blues. She's like, oh man, they're going to miss Tarasenko. I'm like, tell me about it. It's crazy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. All right. Devils, Penguins. Pe- pe- penguins. The Devils, Penguins. She picked the Devils because the Devils can poke penguins with their fiery forks. <laughs> Again. Yeah. They should be allowed to. Logically. Yeah, logically. And then Bruins, Caps. Caps. And she picked the capitals because there are more of them. I'm not quite sure what that one means, but there we are. I mean, <laughs> okay. I mean, capitals is a longer word than Bruins. We'll give it that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's it. I don't know. All right, there we go. Thank you for listening, everybody. Will, any last words? Yeah, we, we didn't talk about the Avalanche jersey. Ah, oh, no, we didn't. But there we go. We'll talk to you soon, folks. Take care. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. You size. Is it all right? What do you think? What do you think of it? You already know what I think. D- you don't like it? No, I do like it. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I don't want to like it, but I love it. It's it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Like exactly. That was that was me. Was I shouldn't like it, but I do like that. I st- I still kind of think it's horrendous, but I'm so glad it exists. Like it's <laughs> so good. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Yes, it's like your favorite. It's like your favorite worst film. You know it's terrible, but god damn it, you just love it. Yes, it's basically the room, isn't it? Like, it's... <laughs> oh hi, abs. I'm so excited to see the the whole ensemble. It's so mad, so so mad. I love it. All right then. Okay, there we go. Take care, folks. We'll talk to you later. Peace. Peace.